I'm Betty Salonik, CEO and founder of Accelerate Investors. Welcome to our podcast, Chief Investment Officer Conversations, which brings to you what is on top of mind for the world's leading CIOs. In our conversations, we will explore their background, their current investment strategies, and their global outlook. Welcome to part one of my interview with Katie Wyatt, Chief Investment Officer of the $1.5 billion Loyola University Chicago Endowment. In this episode, she discusses with us transitioning the endowment to an internally managed investment model. Katie shares with us Loyola's decision to divest from fossil fuels, and she discusses as an investor what concerns her and excites her the most in 2022. Before we get started, I invite you to join us at the Accelerate Investors Southwest Investor Insights Summit on March 31st in Austin, Texas. At the summit, you will have the opportunity to meet chief investment officers and other allocators from the Southwest region. For more information, please visit accelerateinvestorsny.com forward slash SW22. Now on to today's conversation. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's great to have you. Why don't we begin with you sharing with us who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, My name is Katie Wyatt. I am Chief Investment Officer at Loyola University. I lead a team of four professionals, and together we oversee a little more than a billion and a half in university-invested assets. And it kind of breaks down as the endowment is a little over a billion. We have 200 million in legacy defined benefit pension assets and about 300 million in operating reserves. So that's me on the professional side. On the personal front, I'm a wife and a mom of three kids and a dog. Great. Thank you for sharing. Before diving further, let's step back for a bit. I'd love to hear more about your background. Where are you from, your career history, and what drew you to Loyola? Sure. Where I am from, I am from Racine, Wisconsin. So that is a town right on Lake Michigan, about halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee. I grew up there. Um, I still feel like I'm a Wisconsin girl, even though I've been living in Chicago for 18 years. And uh, I went to, we can back all the way up, I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison as an undergrad and majored in finance. Uh, While I was there, I interned for a mutual fund. um, And after I was uh, done with school and graduating, I followed some advice to go work for a big company. So I went to Accenture. And I was there a whole year, and I figured out pretty quick uh, I didn't like that. Um, I wanted definitely to have a career in investing, so I went back to UW, um, went back to grad school, and joined the Applied Security Analysis Program. And uh, while I was in graduate school, I interned again for a mutual fund and a hedge fund. So I really got trained as a security analyst Um, But after I was done with grad school, I really wasn't sure I wanted to be a stock picker. So I got a job as an allocator. I worked for a multifamily office, and I started out my career covering hedge funds, private equity, and real assets. So I was in charge of um, research on all the alternative investments, and that was really a great place to be career-wise in I think that was about 2004. 
So David Swenson's book had come out a few years earlier, and I think it was kind of the heyday of alternatives, or at least in hedge funds. So I was there, I was at the family office for about three years, and then I moved to Abbott Laboratories. Uh, Abbott wanted to uh, change the way they manage the portfolio. They wanted to move their defined benefit pension plan away from kind of your traditional 60-40 portfolio into a more modern allocation. So I joined specifically to help them down that path and build out an alternatives allocation. So we started building out hedge funds and uh, GTAA strategies. A few years later, we added private equity. So Abbott is a really great place to work. It was so formative in my career as an investor. The pension plan was and still is open and accruing. It was very well funded. So the asset allocation that we ran was very different from a typical pension plan. Rather than being liability hedged and running down a de-risking glide path, we were still positioned for growth because it was an open and accruing plan. So after I built out the alternatives portfolio, my job sort of migrated into total portfolio management across all the asset classes. We did a lot of work on the defined contribution plan as well. And I think what the best thing about being at Abbott was the fact that we are a very small team. I had the privilege of working under a couple of great bosses, great investors, leaders, mentors, and you know, together we covered everything from asset allocation, uh, we did some liability-driven investing for other global plans. So I learned about pension management a lot, but I also learned a lot about just managing a multi-asset class portfolio that was very complex, very similar to an endowment model. Um, ran the efforts in manager sourcing and underwriting. We used a consultant um, just for the private equity and hedge funds to increase our bandwidth. Uh, the core portfolio, asset allocation, and manager selection, we did ourselves. So that was a fantastic experience, a great company, and excellent formation for what I'm doing today, which is uh, today I'm the chief investment officer of Loyola, and I'm drawing on this experience to build out an internalized investment office for the university. So I kind of refer to it jokingly as an investment office reboot. This is the first time Loyola has had a dedicated investment team. And you asked about what drew me to Loyola. I'd say two big reasons, equal in magnitude. Career-wise, obviously a fabulous opportunity, right? Um, a lot of investors would love to get a chief investment officer job, but rarely do you get the luxury of a blank slate and a chance to build an organization from the ground up. I got to handpick my own team, and I have great support from university leadership and our trustee board. The other reason that drew me to Loyola is personal when I was thinking about my next step, I really wanted to work for an organization where I could align my work with kind of my own personal mission. Um, you know, my family's Catholic. The chance to work for a Jesuit institution was really intersectional with my own faith, my own beliefs, and the chance to use my career in service to a higher calling.
Loyola's own mission statement really resonated with me. Uh, a diverse community seeking God in all things and all people and working to expand knowledge in service of humanity through learning, justice, and faith and becoming persons for others. So I view that as a great privilege um, to be called serving a mission like that and to know that the fruits of your work and everything you're trying to accomplish go to support um, a mission that is educating students and forming them to be people bringing light into the world. That's amazing. Not everybody has that privilege to love what they're doing and believe in the mission. So congrats on that. And congrats on your recent three-year anniversary at Loyola. I'm curious, what are some of the biggest changes you've implemented as CIO? Yes, well, we've made a lot of changes in three years. Um, you know, when I got there, I had one colleague who's been there for a long time, and um, we had an external consultant at the time, but but that was kind of it. And and changing into an internally staffed investment office took a lot of, I'd say that took a lot of groundwork. Really, some of the biggest changes we've implemented are sort of you know building the foundation of an investment office. So. You know, we had to put in um, resources so that we could do things in-house, um, just kind of put in infrastructure, systems. Um. You know, I think the biggest change that we have made is the hiring of additional staff. Um, my colleague uh, in operations was there from the beginning, and then we've hired two additional uh, investment professionals to help support the investment work of Loyalists. And I think that is that is by far the most important addition that we've made at Loyola. And you mentioned this a bit, uh, that Loyola is in the process of becoming an internally managed investment model endowment. Can you tell us a little bit about the decision-making process in changing to this investment model? Yes. Yeah, so, the, you know, the decision was made prior to my arrival. Um, the decision was made by the Investment Policy Committee uh, after the departure of my predecessor, who was uh, Treasurer and Chief Investment Officer. And, uh, you know, I think there were two years without someone at the leadership of the endowment and just managed it, you know, being reliant on the outside consultant. And they did a lot of searching, actually, before they decided to insource the investment office. You know, the trustees uh, interviewed a lot of CIOs in the business, other endowments, some other Jesuit universities, some other Catholic universities, and just some, you know, very well-known universities and investment offices, and tried to find out, you know, what's really made them successful and the message that they heard was, you know, having an internal team of people who are functioning as asset owners, because I really think it's a different mentality when you, you have people inside taking ownership over this portfolio, rather than meeting four times a year, once a quarter with an outside advisor. You know, the decisions, the thought process is different. People think about the portfolio differently. There's more alignment. There's more sense of ownership. So that I think that was really the impetus for uh, forming an internal office to have constant oversight and have a dedicated team of people pursuing the best investments out there. 
Great. And now that you've gone through this process, what advice would you provide other endowments, foundations who might consider making this same decision? I think my biggest piece of advice would be alignment. I really think you have to find the right people for the organization. I was privileged to go to work for an organization that resonated with me so personally. I understand that's not always the case, but I think you want to find people who are going to be there for the long term. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you need people there who really understand the organization, really want to see it succeed and not just using it as the next uh, rung on the ladder of their career. So I think um, a long-term mentality of the people that you're bringing in is critical. I think you, you know, a university who's interested in making the step, you know, needs to think about resourcing this office properly and making sure that the people they hire to bring in have what they need in order to be successful at doing their job. And I'd say finally, um, you really need to be thoughtful and get the governance right. We have a fantastic investment policy committee made up of people who are very dedicated to the university, a lot of investors on our committee in their own right from different disciplines, real estate, private equity, hedge funds. And, um, you know, they're a great resource for us. But, you know, we spend a lot of time up front getting the governance right, uh, talking about decision making. And we landed on a governance model whereby we can both engage our investment committee, draw from their experience as investors, but also be nimble enough to make decisions outside of a quarterly meeting construct so that we don't have opportunities that are passing us by. So we had a lot of conversations and I think we have landed on a decision-making and governance model that has proven to be um, quite successful. Can you tell us a little bit more about what decisions you are making or have made as you transition to an internally managed investment model? Sure. You know, I think the most um, one of the most important decisions that we've made um, that I think is specific to an internally managed model is that we spent a lot of time in collaboration with the investment policy committee, students faculty, other stakeholders around the university, and developed a sustainable investment policy that is very much in alignment with the Jesuit identity of Loyola as far as how we are going to manage our capital. So it does have a very strong ESG component. Um, it has a very strong you know, environmental, environmentally responsible component. But I think, you know, the, the ability to really dialogue and be thoughtful and then, you know, develop this kind of policy and then move forward to implement this kind of policy, I think really is best with an internal model because as we are going, as we're talking to management teams, as we're talking, um, evaluating strategies, we can put a lens on it with the perspective that is important to our institution that I don't really think you can get just by outsourcing it to an advisor. Speaking of your ESG policy, Loyola made the decision to divest from fossil fuels in 2021. What has been the most challenging aspect of this decision? Yes, we did. You know, the decision 
was it took about a year actually with working with our investment policy committee to work through it. So, you know, it was not something that we took lightly and it was kind of a year of discernment. I think the most challenging, well, there was a lot of challenging parts. You know, one of the most challenging parts was, you know, looking through our investments and trying to see what we owned and, you know, what what we were going to do about it. We're actually coming from a very low starting point as far as allocation to fossil fuels, which I think has just been a reflection of our, you know, mission all along. But, you know, it's been challenging. It was challenging to try to uncover where in the portfolio a lot of this fossil fuel exposure resided. There are certain structures where we can eliminate it fully, and then there are certain structures where it's harder because you're a part of a commingled fund or maybe you're in a hedge fund that just doesn't offer as much transparency. So... In the places where we have control over the portfolio, we've decided to, you know, A, no longer invest in the space, and B, sell out of the publicly traded securities that we can sell out of. But I think the most challenging part of it was just taking a look at the portfolio with the investment policy committee, deciding if this was the right thing to do, not only from a mission standpoint, but you know, as investors, you know, how would it impact our ability to navigate inflation or how would it impact our ability to access top management teams? So there was, there's just a lot to consider when you talk about divesting from fossil fuels. And are you actively investing in climate change solutions? And if so, what are examples of some of those investment opportunities that you're finding interesting? Yeah, so the answer to the first part is, yes, we will be actively investing in climate change solutions. But I would say right now we're learning. I think there's a lot out there right now because it's gotten very popular I remember kind of the clean tech 1.0 <laughs> earlier in the 2000s that didn't always end very well. <laughs> there was a lot of capital lost, and I, I want to make sure that at the same time we're being good stewards financially of the university's assets. So I think we're we're doing a lot of learning right now. Um, trying to find um, opportunities where we're not taking a lot of technology risk. But, you know, I do think it's a very interesting and long-term secular trend, this sort of decarbonizing of the economy. I just, I think that's the way the world is going, and I think there will present a lot of investment opportunities. You know, I would say that this is an area of research for us. Uh, we haven't done anything yet, but, um, you know, it's definitely top of mind for us at Loyola. As you look to 2022 from your investor perspective, what concerns you the most and what excites you the most? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just doing my annual asset allocation for our next investment committee meeting. Uh, you know, it's the time of year in January when we're looking at capital market assumptions and trying to talk about the year ahead. I'd say, unfortunately, there, there's a lot more out there that I, I think concerns me as a long-term investor than excites me. Um, you know, we're looking at very high valuations across 
all asset classes, um, which often means low potential, potentially low expected returns. I think we, I think we could be uh, facing a different inflationary regime, a different regime in bond yields. Um, I think it's just a little bit too early to tell yet. But you know, there's a lot of change out there that we need to navigate as long-term investors. And I think there's just a lot of reasons, um, you know, to be cautious. And as far as what excites me the most, I think finding new great investment talent. My two investment directors are you know, extremely uh, talented themselves. They're out there turning over rocks, looking at a lot of new and exciting investment ideas. So while in a macro sense, I think it's a little... You know there are there are certainly concerns in a micro sense. I'm very excited on where we will take the portfolio and really find new opportunities to um, add value. You mentioned inflation. How is Loyola Endowment addressing the question of where inflation will go in 2022? Yeah, well, we're working on that. Um, like I mentioned before, that question has been challenged by you know adding to that challenged by, you know, divesting fossil fuels specifically, but also, you know, when, when you're thinking of inflation hedging, you know, a lot of commodities or resource equities come up. Even if it's not directly a fossil fuel, a lot of times those are strategies or companies that do a lot of uh, environmental damage. So we, we do need to, to think about that. And, um, you know, we're, we're just not very active uh, in those sectors, whether you know resource equities or commodities, we are though having a lot of conversations with our management teams. You know, as we're kind of turning over the portfolio and looking for new ideas, we're having a lot of conversations with our investment managers about how they're positioning for inflation, what kind of equities they're buying, talking about their ability to pass through costs and what it will do to their margins and what impact they're expecting it to have on, you know, valuation multiples. So, you know, we're thinking about it more uh, from a ground-up sense. Um, I've kind of come to the conclusion, and especially for Loyola, that as a long-term investor, equities are going to be our best inflation-beating asset. Equities aren't going to respond great during times of you know inflation spikes or un unexpected inflation, but I, I'm not convinced that a lot of assets that are specifically inflation hedging, like tips or commodities, are you know are going to have a sufficient long-term expected return such that there's a place for them in our investment policy. I think they're perhaps better you know, tactical plays if you can do that. But with an equity-centric portfolio, we're, we're really engaging with our managers to understand what kind of equities they own. And for the long term, um, I still think equities are a better place to be. Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with Katie Wyatt. Stay tuned for part two. And don't forget to join us on March 31st in Austin, Texas for our Southwest Investor Insights Summit. I'm Betty Salonique, founder and CEO of Accelerate Investors, and you've been listening to CIO Conversations. You can follow Accelerate Investors on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening.